0: Welcome to the sermons of Steve Galloway, pastor of First Baptist Church, Macon, Mississippi. Let us join together as we study God's Word, and let us be challenged to apply His truth to our hearts so that we may serve Him faithfully. May God bless you. If you will, go ahead and open up your Bible to John chapter 12, verses 37 through 43. John chapter 12, verses 37 through 43. Allow me to read this passage. But though he had performed so many signs before them, yet they were not believing in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason they could not believe. For Isaiah said again, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so that they would not see with their eyes, and perceive with their heart, and be converted, and heal them. These things Isaiah said because he saw his glory, Jesus' glory, as he spoke of him. Nevertheless, many even of the rulers believed in him, but because of the Pharisees they were not confessing him, for fear that they would not be put that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they love the approval of men rather than the approval of God. Let's bow together. Dear Lord, open up our hearts to these truths. Lord, for the the terrifying reality that there are still so many who are rejecting you. And Lord, the reality of their eternity. Lord, help us to realize that as, as your children, we have an obligation to share the gospel before it's too late for others to hear. Or may we be found faithful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last week we kind of ended where Jesus was talking about that the light is only going to be here for so long that you need to follow the light. Do not follow the darkness because it can overtake you. And we'll kind of get back to that in just a minute. But the question is, what do we do when we are exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, the light of the gospel has shined and is continuing to shine. But it causes one thing. It causes people to recognize their sinfulness. The light of Christ beams and shows us our filthiness. Uh, one of the former pastors at Fairview, Mickey Dalrymple, shared one time. He said that he was walking down the street one day and it was night and he was, he was on a trip and he was trying to get back to his hotel. And a car came by and splashed water. It hit a pothole or something like that, splashed water on him. Well, it was kind of dark where he was. He looked down, kind of brushed off, said, I think everything's fine. And then when he got to the bright lights of a street light, he looked down and saw how filthy he was. Well, folks, when you're in the darkness, you don't see the stain of sin. But when the light of Christ shines, it shows us how filthy we are. And that's what the gospel does. It shows us our sinfulness. And so the question is, what do we do when we find out that we're sinners? Well, there's really only two options. We either confess that we're sinners, repent of our sinfulness, turn away from that sinfulness to follow God, surrender our lives to the Lordship of Christ so that we might live for Him. Or the opposite is to move away from the light, to flee the light, and to move deeper into the darkness, to reject the light of Christ. So, that last option is really what this passage is talking about. Seeing the light of Christ, being exposed to the gospel, but yet not following, but instead turning back to the darkness. So, one thing about God, He's not going to force His will on our lives. He has presented us with the gospel, He's presented us with the Savior, Jesus he has given us every opportunity. For, for most, I mean, there's still many people in the world who have not heard the gospel. But for many in the south, southern part of the United States, you have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we are without excuse. And basically he was dealing with an audience that had no excuse. These people had seen his miracles. They had heard his teachings. They saw evidence after evidence after evidence of who Jesus truly is. He was the light of the world, the one sent from God to save them from their sins. But God's not going to force us to accept that. He gives us a choice. There's always two parts, what God does to, to show us the light and how we react to the light. So basically this passage is dealing with the rejection of the light. There's two things that we're going to see. First is that they would not believe. The second is they could not believe. We will see both of those. Let's look at verses 37 and 38 where they would not believe but they but though they had, uh, he had performed many signs before them, they were not believing, they would not believe and this fulfilled the word of Isaiah the prophet which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Well, there is absolutely no reason for these people not to believe. Jesus had fulfilled every single one of the Old Testament prophecies of the coming Messiah, yet without uh, the, the crucifixion and the resurrection, which was yet to come. He had been born in Bethlehem, been born of a virgin, been known as being from Nazareth, uh, coming out of Egypt, so many different ways that Jesus fulfilled the prophecies. And yet they did not believe. And now he has performed multiple miraculous signs in their presence. Some of them he did out in the wilderness, some he did in Galilee, many he did right there in Jerusalem. They had either been eyewitnesses or ear witnesses of all that Jesus had done. There was no doubt that Jesus was performing these mighty works, these signs, these miracles. Yet they would not believe. Well, we ask ourselves, why not? Well, one thing is, you know, some of the Old Testament prophets did miracles. Y'all do understand that, don't you? Some even raised people from the dead. They did fantastic signs and miracles. So maybe Jesus isn't really the Messiah. Maybe he's just somebody sent from God to teach us. That's what some wanted to believe. But Jesus, unlike the Old Testament prophets, did something that they did not do. He claimed to be God. None of them ever did that. Did Jesus really claim to be God? Yeah. Do you remember all the different I am statements that we've covered so far in the book of John? I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. He keeps going on and on and on. Every single time he said, I am It was ego, I, me, which is the Greek, which basically says, I am God. And then later on, he actually said, I am and the Father are one. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. Jesus was claiming to be God. He was claiming to be God the Son. And so we look and we see, was there any other proof needed for the people to believe that Jesus truly is Messiah? Well, all the miracles that he did, he gave sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, cast out demons, he healed the lepers, he raised the dead on at least three different occasions. But with all this proof, they would not believe. Well, why? Well, they really didn't have the excuse to say, well, he's just kind of like a prophet, because he claimed to be God. But here's what most of the Jews did. They they deferred to the religious leaders. The ones who are supposed to know what's right. These sages of the Old Testament. The ones who knew the the scriptures. They knew the prophets. They knew the law. They knew what to be expected of this Messiah. Yet they had misinterpreted what the scriptures said. When the Old Testament said that he would become a rescuer. A rescuer of his people. They thought that he would be a physical rescuer, that he would come and build up a military, a political kingdom that would go against Rome and rescue the Jewish people from Roman oppression. That's what they thought. And Jesus was not fulfilling their expectations of the Messiah. And they also had a little problem with Jesus. If they did worship him, bow before him as Messiah they would lose some of their clout, some of their ability to control the lies and the thought patterns of the Jewish people. See, that's what they lived for. They lived to receive honor and glory from the people instead of giving that honor and glory to God. And so that would kind of mess up their lives. And that's another reason why these religious leaders rejected Jesus. So now put yourself in the common Jewish person's life. If these... Wise religious leaders who knew the Old Testament, who knew the prophecies, if they not only rejected Jesus, but also wanted to kill him for blasphemy, then we should reject him as well. So we look and we see exactly what Isaiah said. That's a quote out of uh, Isaiah 53, verse 1, where it says, Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The arm of the Lord is Jesus. The arm of the Lord has been revealed. And the question that Isaiah asked, who has believed our message, expected a negative answer like none, very few, if any. And so the Jews were the very few, if any. Can you imagine that Isaiah, about 750 years earlier, was seeing this with his own eyes? He knew what was about to take place, not about to take place, but would take place when God sent his Savior. Well, that leads us to from they would not believe to they could not believe. Look at verses 39 and 40. For this reason they could not believe, for Isaiah said again, He, God, has blinded their eyes and he has hardened their hearts, so that they would not see with their eyes and perceive with their heart and be converted, and I healed them. So we look and we see that they came to a point in their rejection, after seeing all the evidence that they needed to accept Jesus as the Messiah, they came to a point where they had hardened their own hearts so many times that God gave them over to their hardened hearts. He actually hardened their hearts as well. Now we look and we say, that doesn't sound right. That just doesn't sound right. See, these people have been exposed to the gospel many times. We've been exposed to the gospel many times. We like to think that, how many times do we have to finally accept it? Thank goodness I don't believe that God just gives us one opportunity to hear the gospel, and if we don't walk down the aisle and shake the pastor's hand and be baptized and surrender our lives to the Lord that moment, that it's it. If that was the case, I wouldn't be here today, and most of y'all wouldn't either, right? God has given us multiple opportunities to experience the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's given us multiple opportunities to respond. Is it truly hard in our hearts when we just don't respond, but yet we don't reject it? God knows our hearts. He knows each and every one of us individually, personally. He knows everything about us. He knows our hearts, our thoughts, our minds, everything about us. He knows if there's any ability for this person to accept his gift of salvation. But for many, when they are exposed to the light of the gospel, instead of being drawn towards it, they flee from it. And they move further into the darkness. So... We look and we see that at this point, for these people, they had come to a point where they had rejected and walked away from the gospel so many times. They had hardened their own hearts so many times that God gave them over to that hardened heart. Now, I have said it many times from this pulpit, as long as there's a breath left in your body, a heartbeat left, There's still chance. Well, in my heart, that's the way I want to believe. Because if you're willing to listen to the gospel, then there's still that opportunity. However, there are some that are already dead spiritually, yet they still have a heart beating. That's hard for me to understand, hard for me to accept. But that's what God's Word is saying. It's that He hardened their hearts so they could no longer hear him. I don't like that. But that's God. That's not me. I'm not in control of this world. But God already knew their hearts. He knew how far that they would go. He knew how many times they had rejected him by walking further and further into the darkness instead of moving towards the light. There's another man that comes to mind. Talking about hardening hearts. Go back in the Old Testament. God sent a man named Moses to Egypt. Y'all remember the story? Sent him to Pharaoh. And he said, Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh hardened his heart. Then time and time and time again, God sent a plague over Egypt. Every time, Pharaoh would say, okay, Release the plague, and I'll listen to you. I'll let your people go. And every time that the plague dissipated, he hardened his heart and rejected God. He did this at least ten different times in that passage. And finally, God hardened Pharaoh's heart to where he could no longer reverse. He could no longer quit hardening his heart towards God. Why was that important? That final plague where Pharaoh finally said, I'll let you go. The death angel came over and slaughtered all the firstborn in his kingdom. And he said, y'all get out of here. I can't handle this anymore. But his heart was so hardened, even by God, that he just could not resist going back after the Israelites. He wanted to capture them one more time, put them back into the slavery, back into captivity. And when his great army was drowned in the Red Sea, it gave the Israelites all the confidence in the world that their God loved them, could protect them, and lead them to victory. Do you see the outcome of God hardening Pharaoh's heart? There's not always a good story in when God hardens a person's heart, there was at that time. But here we see Isaiah quoting again, this time from Isaiah 6.10. Render the hearts of this people insensitive, their ears dull and their eyes dim. Otherwise, they may see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and return and be healed. you got to understand where the Israelite people were at that time. In the earlier parts of Isaiah, God was actually calling Isaiah to be his prophet. To be his spokesperson. Do you remember what Isaiah said? I'm a man of unclean lips. And I live in a land of unclean lips. The Israelite people had turned their backs on God. They were no longer following God. And God was about to judge them by neighboring nations. God was giving them another chance. But for some, they had hardened their hearts. And God was basically saying, okay, it's time for judgment. I'm going to back away. I'm not going to lay my hands of righteousness upon you. I'm not going to save you. You're going to experience the the condemnation that you deserve. You're going to experience the consequences of your sin. Y'all know that still happens today, right? That there are people that reject God. God's given them all the opportunities in the world. And now it's time for them to pay the consequences. Sometimes that's still why they're alive here on this earth. God rejects them. His presence is no longer anywhere around. There is no drawing of God for them to come to him. He has left them to their own means. When I was working at Kroger one time, we had a vendor that service ice cream. And I I always strike up conversations with him and I invited him to church a few times and tried to talk, you know, ask him about, you know, his, his relationship with the Lord. And He finally turned to me one day. He said, I know what you want me to do. You want me to, to accept Jesus? He says, I'm not. He said, I'm, I know I'm going to hell and me and my buddies are going to have a grand old time there. Folks, I had to walk away and cry in the back room. Was his heart already so hardened that he could not hear? I don't know. I still pray that somehow God broke through. That's where we are today. People are constantly rejecting God. It was happening with Jesus standing in front of them. Doing miracles. Proving who He is. And they still rejected Him. How much harder is it for people to accept Jesus just because of what the Bible says and what we say? Jesus, in the earlier passage, just right before what we're sharing today, verses thirty-five and thirty-six, Jesus said to them, "For a little while longer, the light is among you. Walk while you have the light, so that darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light, so that you may become sons of light." These things Jesus spoke. And then he went away and hid himself from them. That was the last teachings Jesus did publicly. So instead of walking in the light, these people of this passage had turned towards the darkness and the darkness had overtaken them. Y'all do know we live in a dark world. A world without Christ. And it's getting darker every moment. Okay, how are we going to turn on the lights? How are we going to brighten up the world? How? We, what do you say? That you may become sons of light. That's what you and I are supposed to be. Children of the light. Sons, daughters of the light. We're supposed to be shining the light of Christ in this world around us. That's the only way to penetrate the darkness is with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, what about Isaiah? Look at verse 41. These things Isaiah said because he saw the glory of the one who spoke to him. The glory was Jesus. He saw Jesus some 750 years before this took place. He was actually seeing Jesus, the Messiah, clearer than the Jews on that day. Can you imagine that? God had given him this clear vision of who Jesus would be, the Messiah would be. And he also gave him a clear vision. Not all, as a matter of fact, very few will accept him. Verses 42 and 43 really kind of brings this down. Are we going to live by fear or faith? Are we going to live by fear or faith? Nevertheless, many of the rulers believed in him. But, because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. A lot of people have debated, did these religious leaders, these Pharisees, these Sadducees, these priests, these scribes who believed in Jesus, did they have saving faith? I personally don't think they did. And here's why. Scripture right here says, yet they were not confessing him. You don't have to turn there. You probably have it memorized. I've shared it many, many times. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a man believes resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. They refused to confess Jesus as Lord. They had a head knowledge that Jesus had proven that he had fulfilled everything they needed to to know that he was God the Son, that he was the one they were waiting for, the Messiah. They believed that here, but not here. They were not willing to allow themselves to confess Him as Lord. What's the situation? Fear. They didn't want to lose their positions in society. They love the approval of men more than the approval of God. What was the threat? Well, you've got to go back about a chapter where the Pharisees basically threatened that anyone who showed any allegiance towards Jesus would be kicked out of the synagogue. Well, they did it to the blind man, that Jesus that he'd been born blind and Jesus had given him sight. And when he proclaimed that Jesus must be the Messiah, they kicked him out of the synagogue and threatened that anybody else who claimed Jesus the Messiah would be kicked out as well. Well, what did that mean to the Jewish man? It basically meant that he had no value in society anymore because everything in Jewish society revolved around the synagogue. If you could not go to the synagogue, then nobody wanted to have anything to do with you. You were a pariah. You were nothing. You were worthless. No one would trade with you. No one would do anything with you. And so they feared the consequences of, Of confessing Jesus as Messiah. Inwardly, mentally, they believed but they would not confess. That kept them from having saving faith. Instead of simply admitting that Jesus was Messiah, they're afraid to. The last verse really sums it up. For they love the approval of men rather than the approval of God. Where are we today? What's holding us back from witnessing, from proclaiming the the gospel of Jesus Christ to this dark world around us? Could it be that, that we're afraid of what other people may think of us? That we may lose a little position in society if we start sharing the gospel, inviting people to church, sharing our personal testimony with people? Could it be that Maybe somebody will overlook us for that next promotion because we're being outspoken for Christ. Or maybe the person that you're trying to build a relationship with so that you could have this business contact. When you ask them about their relationship with Christ, they just turned you off and said, I don't want to have anything else to do with you. Are we in the same situation that we love the approval of men? rather than the approval of God. I'm afraid that's where our world is today. Christians are silent. The majority of Christians have never shared the gospel of Jesus Christ in their entire life. They've never shared their own personal testimony even once. They're even seem to be ashamed to invite somebody to attend church with them. They're afraid of what somebody might think of them. That's why our, our world grows darker and darker and darker. We cannot wait for Franklin and Will Graham to have a crusade in our area so that people can come to Christ. That's not how it works. God's called us, His children of light, to be the light of the world, to shine His light into the dark world to penetrate it with his gospel. Are we allowing God to use us to be the light of the world? Or are we just going to watch people reject Jesus and harden their hearts to the point where they cannot hear? They cannot see. They cannot receive. That's really the only option. For people to be drawn to the light the light has to be shown on them. They have to experience the light. Say, so, well, the gospel's everywhere. You can't turn on the television on Sunday morning without finding a preaching service somewhere. Do you really think that the people living in darkness are looking for that? No. Well, it's on the airwaves. You can tune in French camp and listen to wonderful gospel music. You can listen to K-Love and listen to some wonderful praise music. Do you think they're searching out French Camp and K-Love? No. Well, there's a church on every corner. All they got to do is walk in and hear it. Do you think they're wanting to walk into a church? No. They're fleeing the light and moving towards the darkness. Or they've never seen the light in such a powerful form that it draws them to Christ. So, what do we do? Invite them to come and hear the gospel. Share your own personal testimony of how there was a time in your life that you had to admit that you were a sinner and that you still are a sinner, but only by the grace of God has He saved you from your sins and given you eternal life. And here's how it happened in my life. Learn a very simple passage of scriptures. I use the Roman road. Really pretty simple to memorize. Or you can even have a cheat sheet you can keep in your purse or wallet. Or you can find some wonderful gospel tracts to use. But make it personal. Be the light of Christ. The children of light in this dark world. Otherwise, they'll just keep growing darker. We've already talked about it. Why do you think God allows certain things to happen? Didn't we pray a lot before this election? And we still don't know the final outcome of it, but the way it stands right now, for most of it, it probably didn't go the way we expected or wanted. Hmm. I wonder why. Because there's a lot more people falling in the darkness than the light. What are we going to do about it? It's up to us. The future of this nation, the future of mankind, the future of your neighbor, your co-worker, family member, all comes down to one thing. Do we like the praise of man rather than the praise of God? Are we so fearful of what man will think if we share the gospel, that we're silent. Let's bow together. Dear Lord, this is a terrible, dark passage of Scripture. For us to even come to the realization that there are people walking in this world right now that cannot accept your gospel because they've turned and hardened their hearts Too many times. Yet, Lord, we don't know who those people are. And since we don't know who they are, we need to share the gospel with everyone. With anyone and everyone. So that they can hear the truth and have the opportunity to respond. And, Lord, we pray that they'll be drawn to the light. That they will realize their sinfulness that separates them from you. And that they will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ by believing that He is the Son of God, the Messiah who died for them, and to surrender their lives to His Lordship, confessing Him as Lord. Lord, for those who continue to follow the darkness, Lord, we pray that the light will continue to shine often enough in their lives so that they'll know that they're going in the wrong direction. Lord, use us each and every day, put someone in our heart or along our paths that we can share your gospel with, that we can truly be children of light. Lord, the results are up to you. We have no control over making somebody come to salvation. Once they've been exposed to the light, the decisions between them and you. Lord, it is our prayer that we will see the light spread through this dark world. And, Lord, that your power, your presence, will begin transforming lives. And as lives are transformed, then more and more lives will be touched with your gospel. And we will see a brighter light shining in this dark world. Lord, guide us and use us for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.